Welcome, and thank you for stopping by Biker Church, Wally, Texas. Let's go on in and see what Charlie Mullen has to teach us today. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to gather in your house tonight, Father. Father, I ask that you, the, the conversations that we just had, Father, keep them between us and you, Father, and let you handle it, Father. Father, I ask that you keep my flesh out of it and let the Holy Spirit go land upon this man and let him know that what he's doing is wrong and that he needs to pay the penalties for it, Father. Father, I ask that you'll bless this offering we're about to take up. Let it be used to continue your work in the kingdom, Father. And, Father, it's all I ask you that you bless this worship service we're about to have, Father. Father, let it be done in your name, and let our hearts and minds be wide open about it, Father. And it's all this in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Believe it or not, me and her didn't even talk about music today. That was kind of, I think we're going to have to stop talking about music, baby. Let's go. Well, I mean, if we're not going to talk about it and it's going to work out like that every time, then we ain't going to talk about it. We're going to go to Acts. Acts is the book that I don't think should have ever been stopped being written because there are still acts being done in the name of Christ. Am I wrong? So I heard Jr. say something this morning, and it kind of struck me a little bit about being qualified to do what it is that we do. And here's the thing. You're never going to be qualified until you're called. Because God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Do you think that any of the apostles that walked the earth were qualified to today's standards? Paul, Paul was overqualified. If you really want to look at what Paul did after he became, after he stopped being Saul, Saul took a heck of a promotion to, or a heck of a demotion to become Paul, because Saul had all of the, all of the upbringing, all of the history, all of the, the family lineage all of the education, everything he needed to be one of the biggest, as he called it, hypocrites, that there ever could have walked the face of the earth. And those are his words, not mine. He was a Pharisee by every accord of being a Pharisee, right down to the fact of hating Jesus-loving people to the point of killing them. We were out there talking in the parking lot a while ago about some men in this world believe that they have done too much, that they're beyond salvation. I happen to know one who believes that, but he still does God's work. He believes that he's beyond the ability to be saved and have a reward in heaven, but to pay his dues for his past he is doing God's work today with a belief that he won't go to heaven for it, but it still needs to be done. Guys, to me, there's no stronger man of God because he had, in his mind and in his heart, he has no reward for the work that he's doing. And to be honest with you, I don't think he realizes what rewards he's laying up in heaven because he's, man, everybody he sees, he tells about God. Everybody he sees, he invites to church. But he still doesn't think that he's worthy of being saved because of the evil things that he did in his past. 
And me and him are going to have a talk this week about Saul because this man is going to stop being remembered as the man that he was. And I'm going to give him some knowledge that will allow him to remember who he is in Christ. So, my wife informed me this morning, because I had forgotten all about it, that today is the day of Pentecost. How many people out there know what that means? That means it has been... 50 days since Jesus rose from the dead. This is the day when Jesus said, John, baptize with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Today is the day that the baptism of the Holy Spirit was introduced to the world. So when Jesus is talking to the apostles, or I'm just going to say his followers because it wasn't just the apostles that were there. He was talking to a group of believers, and he said, Do not leave Jerusalem for you are about, until the Father sends his gifts. And the Comforter comes, and he sends the Holy Spirit here. So they walked a Sabbath day walk, which was about the distance from here to a bathroom, because that's about as far as on the Sabbath as you could walk. And they stayed there in prayer until the day of Pentecost. How many people know how many days that was? We just said it was. Jesus walked on the earth after he was risen for how many days? 40 days. Then Pentecost became 10 days after his ascension. So that's 240 hours. I'm going to give you all a little bit of a something to compare that to. We have problems getting people to come to a 45-minute church service or a two-hour movie night or a 45-minute Bible study. These people dedicated themselves to a 240-hour prayer meeting. That's obedience, folks. That is obedience to God. And what happens when you are obedient to that level? You want to know how to have the Holy Spirit come into your life? Learn how to be obedient without asking questions. That's when the Spirit will come down and set itself upon you, and it will never leave. But you, chapter 2. I'm doing a little lead up here because it's a lot of verses in there. So, 240 hours into a prayer meeting, and when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Can you imagine? You've watched Jesus ascend into heaven. You're in a prayer meeting under hardcore prayer, being obedient to God, and after 240 hours of being in prayer, all of a sudden, a wind blows like you've never heard before in your inside. What are you going to think? What do you think people would think today? They'd be scared to death. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. 
All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Let's try to imagine that even in a church house today. Because I'm going to be honest with you, I have trouble imagining that in a church of today. Because there was 100% obedience going on in the room where this happened. How many churches today have 100% obedience going on in them? I'm just speaking from my own vision, from my own thoughts, from my own observations. You have problems getting today's Christian people to even admit the fact that they believe in God when it doesn't do them good. Now, I'll tell you what, we have a little thing back there that's the 2122 Book of Christian Vendors. I bet you'll admit you believe in God when you call that automotive place that's listed on there. I'm a Christian, and I got your book from my church, and your business is in it that says you're a Christian place to deal. And then two weeks later, I guarantee you, you're going to see on there where they got their car back out of the shop, and they didn't get their discount like they felt like they should have got it. Talk about people of God. They didn't even cut me a break. Guys, people of God have to eat too. And giving everybody free stuff just because you say you're a Christian is not going to get you fed. We'll admit that we are followers of Jesus Christ when it is convenient for us to be followers of Jesus Christ. And it scares me. Because what's going to happen on the day when doing what we do is considered against the law and it's not convenient for you to be a follower of Jesus Christ anymore. We were just talking about how many Christian people that were completely against this vaccine that we were talking about that ran out and got it because they could get away with doing something else without wearing a mask if they were vaccinated. Or their doctor said it was probably a good idea. What's it going to be like when the mark of the beast comes and you can't go buy groceries without taking that mark? How convenient is it going to be for you to be a follower of Jesus Christ? How obedient are you going to be? What's going to happen the day that going to church becomes illegal? How convenient is it going to be for you to be a Christian? There were people hunting these men and women that were following Jesus Christ. Saul was already out there hunting these people down, and they stayed in the same place. Do not leave Jerusalem until the Holy Father gives you the gift of the Holy Spirit. For ten days, these outlaws, these hunted people, stayed in one room and prayed to God until He sent the Holy Spirit to them. It wasn't convenient for them. But you see what their obedience is getting them. Their obedience is fixed to get them called drunks is what it's fixing to do. <clears throat> now, there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, are not all those men who are speaking Galileans? then how is it that each of us hears his own native tongue? Ooh, I don't think y'all understand what just happened. 
God had something to say. And no matter where you people say, well, I don't speak in tongues because there ain't going to be no speaking in tongues in this church. We don't speak on tongues in this church because you can't speak in tongues and it'd be of God if there's nobody there to interpret it. Where, did that, where does it say there? Where, show me where it says that, 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 that somebody has to interpret what you say in tongues. I'm gonna, what I'm going to tell you is God had something to say, and there will be a way for everybody there to understand it. When God's Word comes out of His mouth, no matter what language you speak, there will be a way for you to understand it. This wasn't a gift of gab that guys could go impress people and stand up and, man, y'all want me to pray in tongues? I'll pray in tongues all afternoon. Are you going to be impressed? Are you going to understand what I'm saying? Probably not. Me praying in tongues is between me and my God. If I have something to tell you and God gives it to me in a different language, you're going to understand that language if it's for you. I've never had it happen personally. I pray to God that it happens because somebody somewhere, there's somebody out there that needs to hear the Word of God that is not getting what they need right now. But God right now finds a way with the voice that I have. Tongues is not to impress you. Tongues is not to make you feel anything but Christ. That's all it is. It's not to show off. It's not to make your prayer stronger. You do what the Holy Spirit leads you to do. And me fighting back, praying in tongues, is me conquering the Holy Spirit before He even gets a hold of me. So where are we going to go from here? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Mesopotamia, excuse me, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia. I can't even say that word. Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and other parts of Libya. Near Serene, visitors from Rome. Both Jews and converts to Judaism. Cretans and Arabs. We hear the same declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they've had too much wine. They had too much Holy Ghost is what they had. Because I want to tell you something. If you never had the Holy Spirit lay his hand upon you, there is a difference between being touched by the Holy Spirit and having God lay his hands on you. When God lays his hands on you, brothers and sisters, it tells us in the Word of God that there's no way that we could stand up in the Spirit, in the sight of God. So why do you think that people lay on their face on the floor in the middle of a church house? Do you think they're doing it to show off? They're doing it because they can't stand upright in the presence of God. So when you make fun of that man laying on the floors crying out to God, you're making fun of somebody who's actually in the presence of God. Is that where you want to be? Is that where you want to be is looking down upon the man who... We talk all the time about surrendering to what God has to say. If God's going to lay His hands on you and tell you that in the floor in front of all your friends and family is where you need to be, are you going to fight that? Or are you going to surrender to what the Holy Spirit has to tell you? Come on, man. 
I want y'all to get it because I want y'all to know what it feels like. Like what God is doing to me right now and He grabs a hold of you and He just he shakes you and you can't get nothing else out but what He wants you to get out. I, don't, I wish I could get y'all to understand what it feels like when God lays His hands upon you and that everything you've ever done in life disappears and the only thing that you can see going forward is what God is showing you is what you're going to do. And what He's telling me right now is that you will never stop telling people what I have to say until you have told the thousands upon thousands upon thousands of my children what they need to hear. And if you try to stop, I'm going to give you what you never thought you'd get. He's, I'm going to give you a limp. And guess what I did? I stopped doing what God wanted me to do. And I started pulling a Jacob. And I started wrestling with God about what I was supposed to be doing. And so God gave me this limp that I walk with. And you know what that limp is? You think it's punishment? It ain't punishment. It's a reminder that I need God touching me all the time. It is a reminder of what my life looks like when I ignore what God has to tell me. It's a reminder of what it looks like when God has His hand removed from my life. Ooh, praise God, holy Jesus. Ooh, I want y'all to, I, I, wish, I wish you could feel what God is doing to me right now. I wish you could feel what it is that God has to say right now because God doesn't want you to suffer not one second longer. God doesn't want... See, because here's the thing. Physical suffering is expected. Spiritual suffering is invited. Stop inviting the devil to play with your spirit. Stop inviting the devil to stop you from doing what these people right here are experiencing. Because some people said this is a miracle and this is good. And we're getting what we need. And the devil pokes some of them's spirit and says, nah, they're drunk. Can I get drunk? I can get drunk every day, but I can get drunk on the Holy Spirit easier than what I could, ever could on alcohol. And I'm going to tell you something. The addiction is worse. I've never been, I've never been addicted to something like I'm addicted to the Holy Spirit, man. I've never been a de- I don't, I tell everybody, smoking wasn't that big a deal for me to quit. Drinking, I never intended on quitting. Drinking, I just stopped. Doing dope, I, pfft, dope was never a thing for me. Dope was a way to make money. That's all it was. And the biggest outlaw words that ever came true rang through my head all the time. Never get high on your own supply. Well, I'm going to tell you something. I went from a dope dealer to a hope dealer. And now I sell all the hope I can sell. But I'm going to tell you something. I'm addicted to my own product. Because God gave me the Holy Spirit to pass out among you. And I'm addicted to it. I'm stuck on it. I don't ever want it to leave me. And now I catch myself chasing that dragon. But I'm chasing the Holy Spirit. I'm chasing what He has to tell me. I'm chasing what He has to make me feel. I'm looking for that high that God puts me on. Because I'm going to tell you something, man. Heron. That's baby stuff compared to the Holy Spirit, man. Heroin will kill you and make you leave everything. The Holy Spirit will lay you out and slay you in the Holy Spirit and wake, make you wake up a better person than what you ever were. Man, it ain't nothing like being stomped on by God, man. Because when He lays you in that floor and He starts knocking pieces off of you and He starts dealing with your flesh, and your flesh starts getting weak, and your spirit starts getting stronger, 
And your spirit, and all of a sudden, one day, your flesh is hooked on the same thing that your spirit is hooked on. And then you're a junkie for Jesus. Oh, baby, new shirt. I'm going to have to get me a junkie for Jesus shirt now, man. Am I a junkie? You think right, I'm a junkie. I'm a junkie that gets high on the Holy Ghost all the time. I look, I, I, I'm high on the Holy Spirit all the time, folks. I walk around with God in my pocket. And when you get close enough to me, I take him out of my pocket and I throw him at you. Because that's my job. That's what God told me to do. And if God can take somebody like me and make me from a dope dealer to a hope dealer, from somebody who would hurt you in a heartbeat to somebody who will hug you in less than that, man, if he can do that for me, what can he do for you? What can he do for you? This is the problem. You have it in your head what he won't do for you. There's nothing Christ won't do for you. There's nothing the Holy Spirit won't show you. But you have to be obedient to what the Holy Spirit says. You have to be prepared for that 240-hour prayer meeting. You have to be committed to a lifetime. This is what I can't get you to understand. You have to be committed to a lifetime of Holy Spirit highs. And every once in a while, you're going to have a fleshly low. And I'm going to tell you something. Lessons aren't learned on mountaintops. Lessons are learned in them valleys. Lessons are learned when you're at the lowest of the low that you can get. But I'm going to tell you something. When you've been obedient and you've been accepting to what the Holy Spirit has to say, there will be times in those valleys when the Holy Spirit looks at you and says, Enough, my child. You have suffered through this particular instance enough. If you would but be obedient and let me set my hands upon you and steer you in the right direction, the next thing you know, you're on that mountaintop and you're looking down at the next valley. And here's what you need to remember. As you proceed into that next valley, if the Holy Spirit is already with you, when you hit the bottom of that valley, you might just change that valley to a mountaintop. That place that you thought was fixing to be hell might just turn into heaven on earth. Ask Mark about his hospital visit when he stayed positive about what God was going to do to him. That man should never walk again. You the same way, brother. When God gives you that di or when, when the doctor gives you that diagnosis and your flesh says, oh, no, and the Holy Spirit says, yes. One more way to show what God can do. Because I'm going to tell you something. You walk through these doors, and I can count them in this room. One, two, three, four, five. Five people I know in here that death has been knocked off of their back. I'm one of them. That's two of them. Brother Cancer jumped out of you and Dale's body. God took a stitch at a time and a metal rope at a time and put that brother's body back together when the human doctor said that he would never walk again. Here he stands today, not because he believed what the doctor said, because he knew what the Holy Ghost said, and he followed what his God told him to do, and he was obedient. And here's the thing. The devil had to hurry up and get that brother out of that rehab center or he was going to save everybody in there. So the devil said, fine, God, if you want him fixed, fix him. I'm going to get away from him. 
See, that's what I want you to understand. When the Holy Spirit is sitting upon you, and the devil comes, you ever seen that little beam? What is that? What that thing's called, baby? Where that little that little baby runs out of there and goes, and then turns around and goes. That's what the devil does. He gets up in the morning and he's running around hell, and he says, "Man, you know what? Today I'm gonna go mess with guns." Because I bet he's having a bad day. I bet he ain't getting what he needs this morning. And then he comes around that corner and he sees the Holy Spirit standing there, not guns. And he goes, whoa, whoa, And he takes off running in the other direction. Because that's all he can do. It doesn't say he runs around like a roaring lion, or like an eating lion. It says he runs around like a roaring lion because he ain't got no teeth. Because my job is to wake up every morning and kick him in the teeth that he does have. Your job every morning is to get up and remind him that he ain't got nothing to do with you anymore. Your job is to show him that your spirit lives first, not your flesh. Your flesh follows your spirit. See, here's the thing. We've always believed that we were poor sinners. And the only thing we were worthy of was a little bit of mercy from God. That ain't what that word says, folks. That word says that as when we accept Christ and we are washed clean by his blood, that we are no longer sinners. And that we're walking in grace. And we're walking in the Holy Spirit. And that Jesus lives within us. And guys, Jesus can't live in the same building as, as hate. So when you let hate in there, Jesus got to leave. So don't tell me you're living a split life. Because who, who, I know y'all have heard me say it before. Who's the fence belong to? You better get off that fence. The fence ain't even safe to run for when it, you know, I, how many people in here rode bulls? You get thrown off and that bull's coming, you make for a fence. You find a fence. Find a fence or one of them people they call, you know what, here's the thing. When they out there standing around in the arena, they're, they're rodeo clowns. When you got a bull chasing you, they're bullfighters. <laughs> they change careers quickly. You might make fun of them while they're standing out there and all their makeup and all that stuff, but you let 2,500 pounds of hamburger get on your hind end and want a piece of it, oh, you'll find you a bullfighter and hide behind him real quick. Just like your lives when it comes to God. You're going to make fun of that Christian who runs around wearing them fancy T-shirts all the time. You're going to be fun of that woman standing out there in the grocery store who just found a $5 bill on the floor and jumps up and down and hollers hallelujah. You're going to be make fun of that person who believes that the only reason why they're still walking around is because God lives until God gets on your hind end, and then you're going to run for that church. You're going to run for that holy man. You're going to run for that woman. You're going to wish that woman who hollered hallelujah was still standing next to you. Here's the thing. Why not just carry a rodeo clown around with you? That way, every time the bull gets after you, he ain't got to worry about it. You ain't got to worry about outrunning the bull. You just got to worry about outrunning that clown. I'm going to tell you something. When the devil gets after you and you take off running, the Holy Spirit distracts him. It makes him start turning circles. And then every once in a while, he'll grab him by the horns and just go ahead and lead him right on out of the arena and kick him in the hind end on the way out. Because believe it or not, the devil's been tamed. Jesus died on a cross, and he went in a tomb. And while everybody thought he was in that tomb laying around taking a break, he was in heaven kicking the snot out of, I mean, in hell kicking the snot out of the devil, stealing the keys. And then he came back to earth, and he told everybody about it. And his last request while he was, as he was leaving earth was to do what I ask you to do, 
no matter what it is that I ask. So don't leave Jerusalem until God touches you. So what I'm going to ask you here tonight, I'm going to leave this building sooner or later, but I'm going to ask you not to leave this room until you allow God to touch you, till you open up your spirit, till you lay down your pride, till you lay down your worldly beliefs and accept what the Holy Spirit has to offer you. I'm going to give you a few minutes. She's going to play a little bit of music. I want you to bow your heads because I truly believe that there's somebody here tonight that God is trying to deal with. I truly believe that there's somebody here tonight that needs the hand of God laid upon them. There's somebody out there listening. There's somebody out there watching. There's somebody out there praying that needs what God has to say, and we're going to let it happen tonight. Can we do that? If you, I'm not going to ask you. You don't have to stay. You're, as a matter of fact, you're dismissed if this is not what you want to do. But if you're going to stay, I'd ask that you close your eyes and bow your heads and let God deal with you for a minute. And if you feel like you want to pray about it and you feel like you want to deal with it with somebody, raise your hand and we'll get over there and help you. I'm going to open these altars up and I'm going to tell you right now, you can be whatever you want to be behind this last row of chairs up here. But when you pass this row of chairs right here, be prepared for what the Holy Spirit's going to lay on you. Thank you, Jesus. Set a fire down in my soul, Father. I don't want to control it, Father. I don't want to contain it, Father. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Yes, Father. Yes, Father. Touch them, Father. Flow like a river through this building tonight, Father. Yes, Jesus. Woo! <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. I don't know who it is or who needs to hear it, but God wants you to know that your joy is on its way back into your life. That you will once again know what it feels to laugh and mean it. That you will once again know what it feels to have love in your life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh. Yes, Father. Thank you, Jesus. 
It's all up to you. Yes, Father. Yes, Father. Hearts are healed. Minds are healed. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father God, we come to you tonight, Father. Humbly asking you to walk with us, Father. To set upon our shoulders, Father. Call us your own. And remind us that your word is forever, Father. That your word doesn't change with our mood, Father. That no matter what kind of ha- what day we're having, you are still love, Father. Let us never forget that, Father, that you don't love, that you are love. That love has to love. Father, I ask that you be with us this week as we go out, Father as we go out to continue the work that you have set upon our hearts, Father. Father, it's all this in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You're dismissed. I had a lovely time. I appreciate y'all coming out. Have a wonderful week. And walk with a little bounce in your step this week, knowing you're a child of God and he's got you back. How about that? Thank you for joining us today. If you have prayer requests or need to contact us, please email us at bikerchurchwileytexas at gmail.com or call 214-283-0620. Please send all written correspondence to 303 Highway 78, Suite 103, Wiley, Texas 75098. And if you wish to make a donation, please make all checks payable to PSMM. God bless you and have a great day.